Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Your sins, my sins, put him on the cross. Absolutely. There is no sin in your life that he won't forgive. You got to understand that. Don't let the enemy whisper that lie into your ear saying that, no, what you've done is unforgivable. What you've done can't move past that. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell. I hope you understand that. Because here's this great and awesome God who's saying like, come to me, come to me. I'll cover you with my son's blood. In today's message, Pastor James teaches on how important it is to understand the reality of what Jesus did on the cross. He didn't just die. He died that your sins would die with him. The enemy would have you believe that your mistakes are unforgivable. But don't let that lie hinder you from living a life free and forgiven in Jesus. You are not your past. You're not your mistakes. You're not your sins. You're a child of God, and in him, you can be made new. Walk in that truth. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Remember when you surrender to Jesus? That's that moment. I remember it so visually, so distinctively. For me, it was now 21 years ago. My goodness. All by myself in the mountains of Colorado, on my way to Bible college. I was already accepted. I applied to Bible college. I was already going to Bible college. I didn't even know Jesus. Didn't even know him, right? But I'm going to Bible college, and it was there when the Lord showed up in my little efficiency apartment and said, James, this is who I am. You've been running from me your whole life, trying to find truth and all this stuff, trying to find peace and all this other stuff. Here I am. What are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't want to go to hell. Um, do not want to go. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. And I will follow you every single day of my life. That was the first day I stood on my own two feet. That was the day the Lord reached down and grabbed me by the right hand and pulled me up. And I stood for the first time, if you catch what I'm saying. It's the same moment. You've had this. You've experienced this. I hope and I pray that you have. You know what it feels like to be this guy. And I hope what happens next still happens in your heart. I hope and pray it still happens in my heart, too. Took him by the right hand, helped him up. And as he did, this man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened because he needed the strength. He needed the muscles. He needed the tendons. He needed all that stuff that I have no understanding of at all, but he needed every single one of those things to be working perfectly. And they did. And they did. I'm always reminded, you go through the Gospels, there's times where Jesus would show up. He showed up in this blind guy's life. He like spits in the ground. He makes some mud. And you're like, what are you doing, Jesus? And if I'm the blind guy, you know, his senses are heightened too. I'm like, he just hawk a loogie like Jesus is just like, what's that? What's he doing? And then what's this? Why is he rubbing mud in my eye? Oh, he's making you brand new eyeballs because that's what the creator can do because he made us out of dirt. He can easily reach down into some dirt and throw some new eyeballs in your bowl, okay? He can do it if he wants to. He did it for that guy. Here, this guy, in an instant, ankles are strengthened. He's good to go. He's good to go. Look at his response. 
the ankles are healed, he's strengthened. Verse 8, he jumped up. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Never walked before in his life. I wonder if it looked awkward. I kind of hope it did in one sense. You baby giraffe, you ever seen those guys when they learn? It's just all over the place. It's, I don't know, but his legs were perfectly strengthened, and he, the dude is jumping, and he is walking. Then walking, leaping, praising God. Walking, leaping, praising God. I hope and I pray, 21 years down the road, that in my heart, I'm still walking, I'm still leaping, and I'm still praising God. I pray that that's true for you as well. Wherever you're at on this journey, may that be your response. Now, not every day is a good walking day. You get shin splints in Christianity, right? You know what that's like? You know how painful those things are? And you're like, I just don't want to even move today, Lord. I don't even want to move today. Today was leg day, and I'm in pain, right? Like, I don't want to. There's days that are like that, but I pray Overall, I'm still walking, I'm still leaping, and I'm still praising God every single day in my heart. So this guy is doing all this stuff, and he went into the temple with them. He gets to go into the temple, and you know the spectacle. You don't think that this guy's like, oh, I should probably calm down. I'm about to go into a prayer meeting, so I should probably be formal and, uh, you know, collective and together, and I don't want to cause a thing. This guy is probably running laps around this prayer room, right? They're like, who's this dude skipping? Wait, that's the, that's the cripple guy. How, how do you get fixed? You know it's going to cause a scene. I love his heart because you can just tell by the story that his heart is just like, I don't care who sees. I don't care who knows. In fact, I'm just going to jump, I'm going to dance, I'm going to skip, I'm going to do whatever I got to do because I got new ankles and new feet because God gave them to me, and you better believe I'm going to praise them. I don't care what anybody thinks. I love that. I love that attitude. I love that heart that's kind of conveyed through this text. It goes on, verse 9, all the people saw him walking and heard him. That's the key there too, okay? They saw him and they heard him. So they saw him dancing around, jumping around, doing all that stuff. But even more than that, they heard him praising God, not in a foreign tongue, not in a foreign tongue like chapter two. No, this is his own tongue, but he is what? He's praising God. And that's, a, that's the key to the church, praising God, praising God, praising God. Let them see you walk. Let them see you leap. Let them see you, let them hear you praise God. So he's going through the temple. He's praising God. Everybody's hearing him. They're watching him. Verse 10, then they realized he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate. And they were absolutely astonished. They're like, we pass by this guy every single day. What happened? And there's a beautiful setup that takes place here. Verse 11, they all rushed out to Solomon's colonnade or, or Solomon's porch, as it may be uh, said in your Bibles there. He was holding tightly to Peter and to John. Everyone stood there in awe of the wonderful thing that had happened. So here's this guy, like he's Wherever Peter and John go, he's like, he's with them. He's just holding on. He's probably like hugging them like, man, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. Everywhere they go, he goes. He's their shadow. He's just praising God. And they're not annoyed with him. They're not, none of that stuff. They're just like, yeah, man. They're like, I, well, yeah, Jesus. I mean, Jesus. That, don't thank us. Thank Jesus. But everybody is coming. Now everybody's starting to show up wondering like, what has just happened? Verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. This is the beautiful setup. The Lord caused this miracle to take place. He healed this lame man. And now he's got this, everybody's attention. Everybody's focused now. And so what is he going to do? 
He's going to preach the gospel. He's going to preach the gospel. What Peter does not do, he does not start his own ministry of going around and healing people. That's not what he does. He does not take advantage of something that God did through him. He does not take advantage of God. What he did was saw that God did a miraculous thing. God has gotten the attention of a lot of people, and now he's going to tell people about this God and his glorious gospel, because that really should be our response. If the Lord does anything awesome and amazing through you, your response should be Jesus. It's Jesus. This guy is messed up. This guy is absolutely, don't even, no credit, not, I listen, no credit. Everything that the Lord does, he is deserving of all praise, all glory, all honor. Peter sees this as an opportunity. He's got a crowd. Now he's like, all right, um, here we go. He says, people of Israel, what is so astounding about this? I love that. Are you kidding me? Like, Peter's like, what? What? What's the big deal? They're like, um, that dude couldn't walk his entire life, and now he's dancing around. And Peter's like, well, what's the big deal? Why are you surprised? What? You, oh, you don't think God can do these things? He's been doing it in your midst for several years now. Remember Jesus? He showed up. The blind could see. The lame could walk. He healed all these people. The lepers were healed and stuff. He's like, why are you surprised by this? He's been doing this all along. Why are you surprised? Why are you astounded by this? And why look at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power and godliness? He's like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I love that. That has to be the attitude, especially, I stand in a very strange position as a pastor on stage, speaking to crowds, right? Because there is a tremendous, not all the time, but you can see it through the lives of others. And there's always going to be this temptation for guys who stand, guys or girls or whoever stands before a congregation and proclaims the Lord and all that good stuff and good stuff's happening to want to take credit for the enemy to come alongside and whisper into your ear saying like, look what you're doing. Look at the good job you're doing. Look at the good job you're doing. It's like, get behind me, Satan. No, it's not me. There is that tendency. That temptation is always, always out there. Billy Graham used to say, he had those three rules. Don't touch the girls, don't touch the gold, and don't touch the glory. If you're a minister, like, don't, no, don't. And especially with that glory thing, it's like, you don't deserve a sliver of it. Nothing that's happening is done by you. It's the Lord in and through you. And here's Peter saying, like, why are you looking at us? We didn't do, the Lord has done this, verse 13. For it is God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of all our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. God is glorifying the Son through this act, drawing attention to Jesus. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You remember Pilate, the Roman ruler who found Jesus completely innocent. And that's what Peter's telling these guys. He's like, um, you remember Jesus, right? Because you like you delivered him over to the Romans to crucify him, even though their leader, at least regionally, their leader was like, he's not guilty. This dude's not guilty of anything. He's innocent. And they're like, no, 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 crucify him. Peter's like, you guys remember that? You remember that story that happened a little over a month ago? You remember that story? Yeah. Okay. See, this is what we're talking about here. This guy's walking because of that guy, Jesus. He says, this same Jesus whom you handed over, who was rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded for the release of a murderer. Like, Pilate's like, who do you want? 
Barabbas or Jesus? They're like, mm, murderer, please. So <laughs> we'll take the murderer. They're like, are you kidding me? You hated him that much? Yeah, they did. They absolutely hated Jesus that much. They're like, we'll take a convicted murderer, a well-known murderer. We'll take him over this guy who keeps messing up our religious system. That's how much they hated him. It says, you rejected him. Verse 15, you killed the author of life. But God raised him to life. And we are witnesses of this fact. You killed him. God raised him back to life. And he's going to let him know, like, you were kind of ignorant. What you did was done in ignorance. And God is in control. We understand that. We understand that Jesus didn't show up to the earth and was surprised by the cross. He showed up to the earth knowing he was going to the cross. Okay? He already knew that. That was our part of the plan. However, they were more than willing to help out in the scenario, okay? They were more than willing to get Jesus to the cross, and they were guilty of that. Because the name of verse 16, the name of Jesus has healed this man, and you know how lame he was before. You know his condition. Faith in Jesus' name has caused this healing before your very eyes. Verse 17, friends, I realize that what you did to Jesus was done in ignorance, and the same can be said of your leaders, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had declared about the Messiah beforehand, that he must suffer all these things. So here's Peter. He's got this beautiful setup of like, oh, why, you guys shouldn't be surprised by this miracle because this miracle has just happened because of Jesus. You remember Jesus. You killed him. He's alive. You thought he was dead, but he's actually alive. And what I need you to know, and this is where Peter just turns into the scholar. He's just going to start quoting the scripture to these guys. Again, this is not a rehearsed or prepared sermon. This is the Spirit moving through him. It's not like Peter's like, hold on, let me get my notes. Um, okay, well, okay, got my introduction. Um, clever little story. I got him with that. I hooked him with that, because you're supposed to do that. Now I got this one point out of the way, transition to this next point. Oh yeah, my third point. I got to transition to that. Okay, so here you go. He's not doing any of that. You understand that, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but he's not like, he's not doing any of that. What he's doing is, he's got all this inside of him, the word inside of him and the spirit's like, like, he's just like, it's coming out. He's coming out. He's being led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he's delivering this message that these guys absolutely needed to hear on this day. He didn't show up to this prayer meeting knowing he was going to be addressing thousands of people. He had no clue about that. He goes on to say, God was fulfilling what all the prophets had declared about the Messiah beforehand, that he must suffer all these things. Verse 19, now turn from your sins or repent and turn to God. So we talked about that last week. Repentance is, it's turning your back to sins, but there has to be movement, okay? It's not enough for you and I to just to turn our back on the sin, because you're just going to do this. Oh, hey, sin, we're back together again. Sweet. No, it's like, turn from sin and move this way towards God. You know that as well as I do. If you just simply turn your back to sin, naturally, you're going to be gravitating back towards this thing. You have to move. You have to move. You have to. That's what repentance is. And it's not moving from one bad thing to another bad thing. It's moving from sin to God in his direction. Spend more time with him. Open up the word. Let this thing, store this thing up in your heart, just like Peter has done, obviously. Be saying, repent of your sins. Turn from your sins. Turn to God so you can be cleansed of your sins. That's the good news. That's the gospel. He's like, you killed Jesus, but you could just turn to God and he'll forgive you. I don't care what you've done wrong. 
you need to understand this. Your sins, my sins, put him on the cross. Absolutely. There is no sin in your life that he won't forgive. You got to understand that. Don't let the enemy whisper that lie into your ear saying that, no, what you've done is unforgivable. What you've done can't move past that. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell. I hope you understand that. Because here's this great and awesome God who's saying like, come to me, come to me. I'll cover you with my son's blood, which is more than enough to cover any stupidity in your life. I showed up to that scenario too with lots to offer to him in the sense of needing forgiveness. And he says, no big deal. I got it. I'm going to cover that. I died for that. Forgiven. But what about all the ones I'm going to make? Forgiven. How about you just keep coming to me? And when you mess up, you will. When you mess up, just go to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I messed up. He's like, I know. Keep coming to me. But he's telling these guys, they were guilty. These guys were probably in the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. And as they're cut to the heart, Peter's like, listen, just turn to God. Just turn, give your life to him. You can be cleansed of your sins. Verse 20, then the wonderful times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will send Jesus, your Messiah, to you again. He's like, you want refreshment? You need to be restored? Yes. You want peace? Do you want peace in your life? You can't have it apart from Jesus. Not perfect peace. Not peace that surpasses all understanding. Not peace that it, it's not subject to my circumstances. This is peace that just breaks through all my circumstances. You want that peace that's only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. Only him. Verse 21, this is concerning Jesus. And he did reference that he will be coming back. Verse 21, though, he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago, there is prophets. He's like, remember what God had already told us many years ago? Verse 22, Moses said, here he goes quoting scripture, and Moses is, you know, he's already mentioned Abraham. Now he's mentioned Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now he's dropping Moses on these guys. He's like, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. And they're like, oh, we ignored him totally. Jesus was here, and you didn't listen to him. It's okay. That's all right. He says, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be cut off from God's people and utterly destroyed. And they're like, oh, man. But here's the good news. Turn to God. Turn to him. Moses said it. You remember what Moses said. He goes on to say, verse 24, starting with Samuel. He's continuing on this message. Every prophet spoke about what is happening today. How are you missing this? You grew up in church. How are you missing this? How did you not see Jesus? Well, our religious leaders never really told us about the Messiah. At least they told us that Jesus was anything but the Messiah. He's like, clearly through the word, you can see that Jesus is who he claimed to be. The prophets all talked about him. They all talked about him, and not just him, but what is happening today. Verse 25, you are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on the earth will be blessed. Verse 26, when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you, people of Israel, to bless you by turning each one of you back from your sinful ways. And he's saying, this is what the Lord is doing right now, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Uh, just to jump into chapter four, just a little bit there, we'll bring this plane in, we'll land this plane. It says, while Peter and John were speaking, so this message is still going on. It's not just Peter, you can tell there as well, John is jumping in as well. Peter and John were speaking to the people, 
the leading priest and the captain of the temple guard, the leaders, the religious leaders of that day, and some of the Sadducees came over to them. They're like, hey, where'd all the people go? Where'd all the people, where'd happen to our prayer meeting? Where'd all the people go? They're like, oh, they're outside. They're on Solomon's porch. You remember that lame guy? Well, these two followers of Jesus showed up and he got healed. And now everybody wants to hear what they have to say. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got to squash this. People are talking about Jesus at church. Oh, no, no, we got to squash that. Like, you just messed up our prayer meeting because of Jesus. How dare you, right? Like, that's really what, that's what's happening here. So all these leaders come to them. It says, verse 2, here's what they were upset about. They were very disturbed that Peter and John were claiming on the authority of Jesus that there is a resurrection from the dead. Now, you understand the Sadducees strongly opposed the resurrection from the dead. That's why John Corson, he gets the credit for this. I can't take it. He says, that's why they're sad, you see, okay? They don't believe in a resurrection. They don't believe in a resurrection. They're like, oh, you're telling people there's a resurrection from the dead. So they, verse 3, they arrested them. And since it was already evening, they jailed them until the morning. But here's the key. This is why I wanted to go into this little portion of chapter 4. But many of the people who heard their message believed it so that the number of believers totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. A low estimate on that is, a lot of people say, that could be anywhere from like 12 to 15,000 people. That's low. That's incredible. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. And can you imagine the lame guy who's there, who's like, just still dancing. You know he's still jumping around. Like, dude, can you settle down? Go to the back of the room. You're distracting everybody. Go to the back, dance all you want back there. But like, and all these people are giving their lives to the Lord because they saw God move. He did a miraculous thing, but it wasn't about the miracle. It was not about the miracle. It was about the miracle that had happened 50 some odd days prior to that when Jesus raised from the grave and the fact that he died on the cross. And then Peter immediately, because he's in tune with the Holy Spirit, he draws their attention not on the miracle, but onto Jesus himself. The miracle was the thing that got their attention, but what saved their souls was Jesus Christ. Never forget that. Miracles still happen today. I know that. I do not believe at all that the miracles ended when all the apostles died out. I do not believe that at all. Miracles still happen today. The point is not the miracle. The point is Jesus. As a church, as a group of believers, we have to be about that. New life in Jesus, hope in Jesus. And he knows how to show up in this crippled man's life when he's 19 years old, having no idea, looking for hope anywhere, in anything. Little did I know, he is that hope, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, that hope that is anchored into the holy of holies. He says, listen, take my hand and let me lift you up onto your feet. We were all that lame man at one point in time. That dude, I bet, I can tell you this right now, and I'm going to say this factually, this dude's still dancing today. I bet you anything, this guy's up in heaven skipping around and jumping around. And you get there one day, you'll know him. You're like, that's an Acts chapter 3 guy right there. We don't even know his name. We don't know his name, but that's got to be him. He's the one dancing around. Like, that's got to be the guy. I, and he's got even more of a reason now than ever because he's in the presence of the Lord. Just as a last little encouragement for you, for myself, keep standing, keep walking, keep leaping, keep praising God. And I just encourage you with that. Do that this week. Walk. Leap, praise God. Oh, to 
Incredible to learn about the Holy Spirit and the faithfulness of the apostles within the early church. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us in this study through the book of Acts. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, feel free to visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. We'd also love to hear from you, so would you let us know how you've been blessed by Bread for the Broken? You can drop us a note through the contact page on our website. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. So for directions, service times, and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we encourage you to read ahead and to begin to study the book of Acts on your own. Although it may seem unrelatable because it took place thousands of years ago, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is still living and active today, and His Spirit is present and seeking those who believe. And if you let Him, God can do incredibly powerful things through you for the kingdom. So the question we'll leave you with today is, will you say yes to what God is doing? And will you trust in Him to move today just as He did all of those years ago? There's still so much to learn from the book of Acts, but that's all the time we have for today. Join us again next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.